Incredible edibles start with Loran. Professional bakery emulsions, super strength flavors, and candy mixes from Loran make it easier than ever to create your own delicious edible experience. Bite Me listeners in the contiguous 48 receive 15% off their order at loranoils.com. Just enter Bite Me 15 at checkout. For listeners outside the 48, email customercare at loranoils.com for a list of distributors and retailers near you and tell them Marge sent you. It's episode 59, and this week we're doing a listener Q&A. We've got several questions from listeners I've collected over the last couple of months. I think you'll learn something new and interesting. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. And who am I? I'm your host, Marge. And I just want to take a second to say thank you for listening. For those of you who've been following along for a bit, your support means the world to me. And if you're just joining us fresh and new, well, once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your for your willingness to give up a few minutes out of your day to listen to this show. So let's get into it. We had a wonderful time. It was five days of not having to worry about work, not having to worry about stresses and bills and all that stuff. And we just enjoyed a lot of time in the sun and, and time together. And it was a fantastic time. And I brought this John Bartram's Guarded Punch as my second time making it. And I thought it was the perfect kind of infused beverage to bring on a getaway because it was, I actually just ended up making it all before we left. We didn't have a very far drive to go. We like to book places that are pretty close just in case we do have to come back into town for anything. But I brought it with me in a giant mason jar and we enjoyed most of it during the week, though I had some left over at the end of the week. So I brought it home with me. And I was enjoying that as well for a few nights afterwards. Well, the other night we decided to have, Chris and I, we decided to have our parents over for dinner. So that means that my father, who just turned 89, was coming over for dinner. Always love to have him over. He's funny in that when he comes over for dinner, the hardest part about getting him to come is just getting him to actually stay. He often will enjoy dinner, have a coffee or something like that afterwards, and then be like, all right, well, I'm out. And it's a consistent habit I've uh, observed over the last 40 odd years of my life, which in a sense does make him a desirable house guest because he never overstays his welcome. We also had over Chris's parents, uh, his mother and father, who actually don't live too far away from us, but we always like to have them over on a regular basis because his parents are also pretty elderly. Chris's father, unfortunately, has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So we try to spend as much time with them as possible as well, because you never know, time is short for everyone. And we also had one of our daughters over and her new boyfriend too. So it was a little bit of a family gathering, impromptu, you know, just nice and easy barbecue burgers and that kind of thing. But I had gotten home from work and I relaxed a little bit and then we started to get the dinner ready and I had one glass left of this garden punch, just one. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to sip on this while I'm doing some preparation, cutting up some tomatoes and stuff like that for the, for the barbecue. And as it turned out, it was all the, all that I needed was one glass because I realized I was sitting there halfway through dinner thinking like, wow, I'm high as shit. I was really wasn't expecting that because I'd had some glasses before of this John Bartram's Garden Punch, which was lovely. And 
found a, a rather mellow dose. And it occurred to me afterwards that what I probably should have been doing it every time before serving it was giving it a really good stir. Because obviously some of the some of the medicated rich simple syrup probably had settled at the bottom, making this last glass far more potent than probably any of the other glasses that were in that jar. So I sat through that dinner really high. And fortunately, when you're dealing with parents who are elderly, they really have no clue. But their stories sure are funny all of a sudden. And I was able to hold it together. I didn't get so high that I had to excuse myself or anything. But some of their silly jokes were funnier than they probably would have been otherwise. So it was just a funny moment when I had to mention to Chris afterwards, after everybody had left, I was like, Chris, you know, I had this John Bartram's Garden Punch. And midway through dinner, I realized I was high as shit. And we had a good laugh about it. So that was my last experience with the John Bartram's Garden Punch. If you've had a chance to make it, please take this little note and give it a nice stir before serving, just to make sure that that medicated simple syrup that's in it is thoroughly distributed throughout the liquid. Now, on to our listener Q&As. I'm actually breaking this podcast up into two because I have several good questions. I just want to be cognizant of the time. I know your time is valuable, so we still want to keep it around the 20-odd minute mark. And the first question comes to us from Dalva via email. And she sent this question in a little while ago, and it is a great question. And what she wanted to know was how to make weed butter tasteless. And in my experience, Dalva, thank you, first of all, for taking the time to send in your email and ask the question. Making weed butter tasteless can be pretty tricky because it just so happens to have a, a very strong aroma. So this is the response I gave to her because I did reply. She did, you know, ask this question a while ago. And I mentioned that I was probably going to be using it on a listener Q&A at some point. But I did have a, an immediate response for her. I, of course, didn't make her wait for this podcast episode to come out. But this is what I told her. There are ways to reduce the weed taste of your butter. I'm sure this would apply to coconut oil as well, if you don't like the taste of it. And that is really, again, going to be personal preference because a lot of people don't mind the uh, slight weedy taste in some of their baked goods or in some of their their infusions that they're making or recipes or what have you. A lot of it's personal preference. Some people don't like it at all. And of course, we're probably going to be looking for ways to mask it completely. But here's some of the suggestions that I gave Dalva from personal experience and from a little research as well. One of the things you can do is to use flour instead of trim. Now, I know this can get expensive unless you're growing your own, but it is one way to reduce the taste. Flour is going to have a nicer aroma and flavor instead of using trim because trim can be kind of harsh. Just think of the difference between smoking the two. I personally use trim because I happen to have a lot of it and I hate to waste it, but it's mainly popcorn buds and sugar leaf trimmings and that kind of thing. And I am hoping to experiment more with flour too. But I also realized that the flour can have a nice aroma, but that can get very expensive. Again, if, especially if you're having, even if you're buying it uh, on the black market or at a dispensary, it can get pretty expensive to do that. And of course, that's why trim or shake is often a preferable way to infuse your oils and butters. 
Another trick that you can try is to try recipes that mask the flavor. Something that has a really strong flavor, like a ginger snap cookie or a banana bread. Recipes with these strong flavors will hide the weed taste so that you barely notice it. And I do find that works particularly well. Again, some of those ones with a strong taste or flavor, and you're you're not going to notice it at all. Uh, alter recipes so that you're using less of the weed butter. So if you have a recipe, for example, that calls for a half a cup of butter, use a quarter cup and then use a quarter cup of regular butter. And so you might sacrifice some of the potency for the taste, but then at the end of the day, you can probably also eat two cookies instead of one to get the same, you know, the same level of high. And is that really a bad thing at the end of the day? No, probably not. I'd rather eat two cookies if I could. So that is one option that you can do as well. You can also alter recipes so that you're using... Oh, sorry, I skipped that one. Uh, The next one, the next suggestion is to strain your weed butter well after you infuse it. So by making sure that you're removing as much plant matter as you can, it will help the overall flavor profile of the end product. The Magical Butter Machine makes a great sieve for straining your infusions afterwards. It's super sturdy, but whatever method you use, just squeeze the shit out of it and try and keep as much plant matter out of your weed butter as you can. The last uh, tip that I'll give is to try weed washing. And a lot of people are familiar with this. I haven't really used this method myself, but I know people out there that have. And this is done after you've infused your butter or your coconut oil. So essentially you add room temperature, coldish water to your melted infusion and then put it in the fridge overnight. Water and oil don't mix so that the inf- once the infusion has cooled off, you can skim off the oil that has risen to the top. This washed butter will be less strong in taste and smell. And if you're still unsatisfied, you can repeat the same process again. So as I said before, I've personally never tried this myself. Um, I, I do need to make another batch of weed butter soon. So I might just try it and see how it turns out. But amongst all of these suggestions, I think if you try one of these, it's probably going to help. The only thing about the weed washing I personally find is when it comes to making edibles and infusions, it's just an extra step that's added to the whole process of decarbing, infusing, weed washing and baking or cooking. So if you're not, if you're finding that this weed taste is really strong and you really don't like it, that is perhaps a necessary extra step that's going to give you a better end result. So it could be worth it for you. So those are five different ways that you can try to reduce the, or try and reduce the weed taste in your butter or oil. So just to recap, try using flour instead of trim. Try using recipes that mask the flavor alter recipes so that you're using less of your infusion, strain your weed butter well after you infuse it, and try weed washing. So thank you for that question, Dalva. That was fantastic. The next question comes to us from Weed Be Loving It on Instagram. And if you want to check out his profile, because he's always making all kinds of interesting infused treats. So I really appreciate you sending in this question. And it is at We'd Be Loving It. His question is, have I experimented with different strains in my baking cooking? And if so, do I have a favorite? And have I done any whole plant foods yet? And then he says he loves the podcast. Thank you so much for the question and for the kind words. 
I haven't experimented a lot with different strains. And the reason being for the most part is because I have a ton of shake at home from when we were growing before. And all that shake, well, I have enough to make quite a bit for the next foreseeable future. So I haven't really had a chance to experiment with too much because I haven't really needed to go out and buy any. But of course, I read a lot of books. Like again, if you're following along with my Fresh Bite mini series with the Cannabis Cocktails book, he talks a lot in there about using different strains um, to impart, you know, subtle flavors to the beverages that you're making. I know that it gets spoke, talked a lot about in the, actually probably a lot of the cookbooks that I have, the C, uh, Ultimate Guide to CBD cookbook talks a lot about using different strains. Um, and some of the other ones that I have probably as well, but I haven't really had a chance because I haven't had different strains to play with until hopefully soon, because I've got four plants in my backyard that are different varieties. And I'm hoping to Hopefully I'll get a good harvest from that and I will be able to experiment with that further and see what kind of a difference it makes. Because sometimes I feel like the process of cook infu- decarbing, infusing and cooking can really be hard on the plant and on the terpenes, which are pretty can be pretty delicate, especially over certain temperatures. And oftentimes I feel different strains don't necessarily shine as well as you might think they should once you end up with an end product. So you know what? That's just what I think right now. I am always open to change my mind. And if you found something different, please let me know. I would love to hear it. And I will be certainly willing to change my mind based on new information. And of course, I'm going to be trying that when I have my own harvest at the end of the season. So hopefully that'll give me enough stuff to play around with for the entire winter that's my plan anyway. And of course, I will be experimenting probably with using flour and whole plant in some of my recipes as well. So I guess the short answer is not yet, but it is on the horizon. And I have been thinking about it because it does get talked a lot about, or it does get talked a lot. A lot of people do talk about it when they are infusing. Sorry, I got distracted there. A lot of folks do talk about that Professional chefs talk a lot about it, but like I said, the jury's still out as far as I'm concerned. I haven't totally seen that yet. So again, definitely on the horizon. And now this last question comes from Lasser. Hi, uh, I'm Lasser, and I have a couple of questions, actually. Um, the first one is... Marge, why are you so cool and funny? <laughs> um, actually, though, your stuff cracks me up like all the time. And the second is, do you do any, um, do you infuse any vegan food or like vegan, or, like, do you make like vegan edibles or like do you infuse any like vegan dishes? And if so, like, what are they? Because that would be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And if so, if you do, then like, how much do you do it? And yeah, thank you for answering my questions. <laughs> well, Sarah, I'm happy to answer your questions. I'm, I'm not sure why you're laughing when you're saying, why am I so cool and funny? But I guess that's a private joke I'll never, never really answer to. Well, why am I so cool and funny? I don't know. How does anyone answer that question themselves? But to answer your second part of that question, which I feel like I can more adequately address 
vegan edibles. I have made some vegan edibles actually. For a while there, I was making a ton of gluten-free and vegan chocolate chip cookies. And one of the reasons being is that I had some vegan people in my life that I cared for and I wanted to be able to share my love of edibles with them. And so I started playing around with this recipe that I found, which I, of course, infused, and they made great cookies. I found that they are also highly shareable because vegan and gluten-free cookies means that there are very few people out there who can't eat them. You're pretty well removing a lot of the main allergens from the cookie when you're taking away dairy and... I don't know what else goes, what else? And gluten-free as well. So, you know, if you have a celiac disease or you have a gluten intolerance or you have dairy intolerance or whatever the usual suspects are in those cookies or those types of foods that bother people, most people can enjoy a vegan gluten-free cookie. Now, having said that, I did give some of those cookies to someone once who really didn't care for the taste And I have to admit that the texture is a little bit different on those ones because it's using an oatmeal and almond flour uh, combination in lieu of a traditional wheat, wheat flour. So they're all for everybody, but I found that they were really good and I really liked them. That recipe can actually be found on the website. And if you look in the cookie roundup episode, it's definitely there. It's listed on the web recipes page, which I'm still trying to screw around with because I find it doesn't always work the way it should. So if you can't find it from the recipes page, the cookie roundup does have that vegan gluten-free cookie and it's pretty simple to make. The only caveat is that the almond flour can get pretty pricey, which is why I don't make them all the time because I don't always feel like spending like I don't know, 15 bucks on a small bag of flour or whatever. But in any case, I have made other vegan edibles. There's like energy balls that I've made that you can easily make vegan by substituting a plant-based protein powder in lieu of the whey-based protein powder. And I think that's somewhere in the website as well. And if not, then maybe I'll have to add it. So there's that. And I also find for a lot of recipes especially baked recipes, oftentimes the major ingredient that makes them non-vegan would be the butter. And if you use coconut oil, and I love a coconut oil infusion because I find it so versatile, you can change effectively what is a regular recipe into a vegan one just by using coconut oil instead of um, butter. Now, that doesn't necessarily help if the recipe calls for for eggs, so you always have to have that as a caveat too, but I do know some vegans that will eat eggs, so it really just depends on who you're dealing with. If you're trying to make a straight up, you know, strictly vegan item, then the the vegan gluten-free cookies that I have on my website, I've definitely made those a ton of times. And the energy bites that I've made. And actually the fat bombs, which I had on the website as well, those would be uh, vegan too, because they were a coconut oil based one and very simple. It was like your infused coconut oil and cacao powder and I forget something else. But so yes, I have made plenty of vegan edibles. I do like them because I find them highly shareable. And sometimes you just want something quick and easy to make. And if you're looking for something quick, easy, and vegan, it's not hard to find recipes out there. And if you have your olive or your coconut oil infused already on hand, it's really easy to whip up a vegan recipe for someone that you love or for yourself. So thank you, Lissair, for sending in your question. I really appreciate it. 
And I do have another episode next week. It's going to be another listener Q&A because I had a few questions that I wanted to address. I knew this episode would start to get a little bit too long if I did them all in one week. And there is going to be a magic a question. I shouldn't say magic. There's, it's not really magic. It is a fun question though, that somebody sent me via email. And that one is not going to be on the podcast, but I am going to send it out in a newsletter later this month. So if you want to know the answer to that question, I highly recommend that you head on over to bitemepodcast.com. If you scroll to the bottom, you can subscribe to the email newsletter. And I don't send out too many. In fact, if anything, I don't send out enough. You have the option of putting in your mailing address too, because sometimes I like to send people fun things in the mail. And I don't think you'll regret it. I will definitely never spam you because, well, spammers suck. And I'm trying to create a space where everyone can feel comfortable learning and sharing. So in any case, that's my plug for the week if you want to find out what that last question is. But don't worry, there'll be a few more interesting questions for next week as well. So you have those to look forward to in the meanwhile. And I think that's pretty much it for this week, you guys. I'm going to be working on some more edibles, probably always cooking up something else. There's always something I'm cooking up. I have some more fun things in the works for the near future, and I'm always trying to cook up new ideas. But again, I always love to hear from you. You can always send me an email at bitemepodcast at fastmail.com. Or if you want to hit me up on Instagram, you can always do that too. Just send me a message over there and I'll see them for sure. Or alternatively, if you're interested in sending a message via SpeakPipe, just like Lacerre did, you can see that over on my website as well. Or I'm going to link to it in the show notes as well. So that that way you don't necessarily have to go to the website. Although, come on, people, I'm trying to get some traffic over there. But anyway, I know we're all busy. So I'll link to it in the show notes too. So you can just go straight to the SpeakPipe link if you want and leave me a voice message there as well. So that's it for this week, my friends. I hope you have a good one. Hope the weekend's coming up and your day is filled with sunny skies or whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean. You guys are awesome. Stay high.